You are now tuned in to the AddictedToSuccess.com podcast, where geniuses, entrepreneurs, and next-level game-changers share their juicy little secrets on achieving massive success. This is the advice you wish you heard years ago. Be prepared and take note as we expose the realness and the raw of what it takes to be successful on AddictedToSuccess.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. Today I have the legendary man himself, John Asaroff, who is a guest star on the hit movie, The Secret. Uh, he is a neuroscience specialist, a life coach, a best-selling author, and such a humble and well-respected man. So John, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. It's uh, great to have you here. Hey, Joel. It's, uh, it's such an honor to um, just be here with you. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Yeah, I know we had you on, uh, it would have been about a year and a half ago, and I still, to this day, hear so many Addicted to Success podcast listeners say that your episode was the standout for them because you wow. really broke it down. It wasn't just like, oh, yeah, you've got to stay motivated. So you really broke it down and explained how it happens in the brain. And yeah. I think some people really love to hear the statistics and the science behind success. So it's, uh, yeah, it's great for you to, to share that advice and really break it down in such a thorough way. So thank you. Yeah, it's fun. The, the thing when you, when you get into the science behind success, you also have to look at the science behind failure. And I'm not talking about temporary failure where you try something and it doesn't work. You try eight things and eight don't work. The science of failure around what really stops somebody from getting up one more time and actually doing it again, which everybody knows, you know, you have to do if you're an entrepreneur, if you're an investor, you're not going to hit home run after home run after home run. And so I'm fascinated with both of those spectrums. And so I'm sure we'll get into some of that today. Yeah, we sure will. We sure. I think failure is just as important as success. Everyone sees the glory, but they don't hear the story, you know, and that's where we can learn uh, the best lessons that we can also apply in our life. So yeah, you're right. You're right. So John, what are some of the new scientific studies and uh, research that have, that help people to release that underlying block that's stopping them from having financial success that's stopping them from achieving greatness in their life? What is that? One of the things that's really, I guess, coming to the forefront for neuroscientists and neuropsychologists is something that I call the, the thermostat effect. And so the thermostat effect is really easy for people to get their heads around. So imagine you um, get into your car, it's nice and hot in Australia, and you turn on your air conditioner. And um, the, cool, the car is nice and cool now, you know, 22 degrees Celsius, 70 some odd degrees Fahrenheit, and you're feeling nice and comfortable. And let's say you roll down the windows, or you probably don't remember what roll down the windows are, but you have a little <laughs> thing on your car and the windows go down, and it, it, hot air comes into the room, into the car. And so when hot air comes in the car, there's something in the car called a cybernetic mechanism. It's a control and response mechanism that picks up that there it might be 20 or 30 degrees hotter in the car than the setting on the air conditioner. And so the air conditioner just cranks up at the highest level that it can to cool the car down. By the same token, if you're in the car again and you're, you know, in the um, middle of winter and the car's nice and 70 degrees, 
but you open up the window and cold air comes in, all of a sudden the car goes down to 50 degrees, the sensor in the car picks up the deviation and sends heat through the vents. And so that's a system within a car, within an airplane, a boat, a guidance missile system that keeps whatever the setting is perfect. And so when individuals want to achieve, let's say here's where they're at and they want to achieve more success, they work hard, they, they read more, they go to events, they, they try to use conscious effort, willpower and persistence to raise their level of performance. And in most cases, they're doing that through conscious, sheer grit and effort. Mm. But unbeknownst to most people, but not anybody who's going to listen or watch this, there's a mechanism in the brain that goes, hey, I mean, you're performing at this level, you know, for three days, four days, five days, seven days. Um, what's going on? You're using up a lot of mental energy. You're using up a lot of um, willpower. You're using up a lot of persistence. Uh, I'm going to cause you to get back into your comfort zone. I'm going to cause you to have some doubts of whether you're able to sustain this. I'll cause you to procrastinate. I'll cause you to have a lot of rationalizations in your brain, which means you're going to tell yourself rational lies why you can take your foot off the gas and get back to your baseline. And the exact same thing happens if somebody's doing, you know, whatever they've been used to doing for a year or two or three and they've gotten into this comfort zone and the setting is already, you know, in there and locked in. If they get below what they're used to, all of a sudden, the exact same thing happens, but in reverse, they go, hey, come on, get out of bed early, read that book, go to that event, go and network, go mastermind, go find out how you can, and they work, 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 until they get back to that comfort zone and baseline that they're used to. And so, I call that the thermostat effect because so many people try to focus on using sheer hard work to change the thermostat. And if you want to, if I, if I can go just for one more minute, I'll give you an example. Let's say you're with a bunch of your buddies or girlfriends, doesn't matter, uh, buddies as well, your mates as you would call them, and you're, uh, you're on a beautiful yacht, you know, let's say a 50, 70 foot yacht, whatever the case might be, and you put the autopilot on the yacht and the boat is going, you know, due north. You're having some fun Bondi Beach, let's say, due north. And all of a sudden, somebody goes to the steering wheel and the automatic pilot's on, and they turn the steering wheel 30, 40 degrees to the left. And the boat turns to the left, and then they walk away. What does the autopilot do? It turns the boat back to the direction that the autopilot was programmed to. And then somebody else comes up and goes, we don't want to go north again. Let's go east. And they, you know, turn the boat to the right, you know, 30, 40, 50 degrees. And they go, okay, now we're going the right direction because the sun's setting, you know, in a certain area they want to get to. And all of a sudden they walk away and the boat's automatic pilot goes right back to where it was heading before. Why? Because in a boat, there's an automatic pilot and an airplane's an automatic pilot. And in human beings, there is an automatic pilot called your non-conscious brain. And whenever, ever, ever, there's a deviation from what it is used to thinking, feeling, and doing, 
something known as the error detection mechanism, EDM, error detection mechanism, kicks in in a nanosecond and says correct course, correct course, correct course, correct course to what the setting is. And that's why people who, you know, double their income sabotage their success. That's why somebody who may end up with a really hot boyfriend or girlfriend sabotages the relationship. That's why somebody loses 10 pounds, 15 pounds, 20 pounds, looks great, feels great, only to gain all the weight back. That's why somebody gets a job, they want to get a promotion, they get the promotion and they feel uncomfortable in that new environment, they sabotage and get demotivated. Does that make sense? Wow. Wow. I'm literally like, I'm feeling that and, and believe that because I know that I had this upper limit. I broke through it. This is a few years ago. And then all these things started coming to play, especially with finances. I started thinking about tax more. Oh, I don't want to make more because I'd have to pay more tax. When like looking at it now, I look at it like, I'd love to pay more tax. It means I'm making more money, That's you know? It. But you remember I said the rationalizations, you tell yourself rational lies <laughs> and you believe it. That's the freaking weirdest part is you believe it that, oh, that this is rational. No, it's the air detection mechanism wanting to keep you stuck and yeah. comfortable. Yeah. So you try and justify why you're setting those limits. So where does fear come into play? Like, like in how can we punch that fear in the face? How can we do that? So let's take a real life example. And so let's say, you know, you and I are buddies. We want to start a business or we have a business. Come on, let's crush it. All right, let's do this thing. Let's triple our income this year. Let's make 30% more net revenues. Let's travel the world. Let's live this lifestyle. It's amazing. And we get excited. Right, so we go, oh yeah, oh my God, that's great. Let's do this. High fives all around. Dopamine's released. We feel great. We share it with our friends. We release oxytocin. So we bond and oh my God, I love you and you love me. And we feel great. We're going to conquer the world. And that happens all the time. But let's say that underneath the hood, there's a fear of I'm not smart enough or I'm not good enough or what if I fail and I embarrass myself? What if I succeed and I can't maintain it? What if I'm ridiculed because I try so hard and my friends will laugh at me? There are 50, five, zero different types of fears that are almost in everybody's memory bank that gets brought up to the surface and when the fear circuit lights up, which is, bam, automatically within either moments, hours, or days when you start realizing, holy shit, what is it going to really take to double or triple my income and to, and to take the time off that I want? As soon as that happens, when the fear circuit lights up, then the system, the, the neuroelectrical chemical system floods with epinephrine, cortisol, and norepinephrine. What is that? Those are just three of the hundred chemicals in the brain that are part of the stress response system. Whenever you and I and everybody watching or listening thinks about or feels that there is potential 
danger, potential pain, whether it's emotional pain, like being embarrassed or ashamed, or financial pain, like not being able to have enough money to pay for my food or for my burger or for my cocktails or for my rent or my car or my airline ticket. If there is real or imagined possibility of discomfort, pain, the break on motivation slams shut and we start to procrastinate. So we have this incredible system that can give us this motivation, the motive for action to go forward, but we have to temper it with our ability to recognize the trigger and the sensation in our body called a feeling that the non-conscious processing part of the brain that gives us this emotion called fear. All fear is processed at the non-conscious level of your awareness and then gives rise into the frontal lobes of the feeling that your body has. The average person that has not been trained feels fear and puts the brake on and goes and retreats into what they're comfortable doing. The successful person, either they may be genetically wired to understand feeling fear and doing it anyway, and turning their fear into fuel, but that's not the majority of people. That's why 90 plus percent of people fail and stay in that position. But you can take that fuel, that hypersensitive rocket fuel, I call it, and utilize it to actually motivate you faster, further than you ever got before. Yeah. Fascinating systems. If you don't know how to use them, too bad. It's like not knowing that a gun has got bullets in it and you pull the trigger. Holy shit, just blew my brains out. Not that you'd be able, that you'd be able to you know, say that. They'd be like, game over. But ignorance is not your friend when it comes to neurochemistry. Yeah. Yeah, I meant to that. It's the stretch, isn't it? It's really the stretch. It's like, how can I stretch myself? You know, I, when I look back at my business and even you know, in my own personal life, the times where I really felt that I grew was when I put the 20,000 down for like a coaching session. I was like, holy crap, this is like a huge financial stretch for me. Mm-hmm. And, and something happens to you unconsciously where you just start absorbing more information. You get even more committed because you know that you've just stepped outside of the blueprint that you currently had and you're having to make the most of where you are now. It's like burning the ships, right? Like you're thinking, but Rich, burning the ships, like not going back. And most people can't do that because they haven't had a lot of practice at some micro decisions around fear. So when somebody feels fear, they're basically thinking about non-consciously first, if I put the money down and it's the wrong decision that I just lost $20,000 or $10,000 or $3,000 and I worked X amount of time to get it or I borrowed it. And if I do that, then you know, I'm going to be further behind than I am right now. And what if I don't apply what I learned? And what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And so we, we are playing these unpleasant or negative scenarios, which by the, by the way, I want everybody to pay close attention to what I'm about to say. That part of your brain is the normal default of the brain. It goes to what could go wrong first before it goes to what could go right. 
So let me give you an example. What if I said to you, hey, uh, Joel, let's do this business venture together. You put up 20 grand, I'll put up 20 grand. Uh, you'll take care of podcasting, sales, marketing, networking. I'll take care of this, this, and that. And, um, and let's do this together. We'd probably get excited. Um, well, what would happen if you start to think about, well, what if it doesn't work? What if I don't deliver this? What if I can't do this? What if, uh, you know, I lose my money? What if I do that? And that's a normal discussion to have. And what if I told you, by the way, after we do the deal, here's the way you're going to think. You're going to have a whole bunch of these negative thoughts. You're going to have a whole bunch of these negative emotions. You're going to have a whole bunch of these sensations that you want to move away from. And that's going to be normal. Here's what I want you to do. Flip the switch. Flip from this right prefrontal cortex, which is supposed to do that for you, and let's flip you over to the left prefrontal cortex, which is the genius part of your brain. I'm going to say, okay, great. When that happens, I want you to flip the switch like that and shift over and see both sides. If we do invest together, if we do execute a plan, if we do what we say we're going to do, is it possible that we will hit our income goals, hit our, our um, net revenue goals, be able to do this and 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 this? And as soon as you can help somebody make that switch, Get from one part of the brain that's the pessimistic, we call it the Frankenstein part of the brain, and the other side is the optimistic, strategic thinker that can connect to all possibilities at all times, and that's the left prefrontal cortex, and that's where the genius part of you is, and that's why I have Mr. Albert Einstein there to always remind me, activate left prefrontal cortex and be aware of right prefrontal cortex, which is for the most part, just bringing up memories from my 55 years on this planet, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. So it's a Frankenstein and the Einstein. <laughs> I like it. When, it. I, when, when Einstein is working, you are dreaming in the world of possibilities. How can I? What can I do? Who can I talk to? How will it work? What should I read? Who should I network with? What are the possibilities? What are the tools I need? What are the resources I need? And all the possibilities open up. When Frankenstein is lit up, it's doom and gloom. And so you just need to be aware. And this is where training your brain is so critical. You can train your brain to be aware, acutely aware of your senses, of what are my sensations? What's my heartbeat doing right now? What's my breathing doing right now? Am I anxious and nervous and stressed? Is my sympathetic nervous system activated? Or am I calm, relaxed, able to think clearly? Can I respond instead of being in this reactive state? That's a skill. Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, with the, the operating from the sympathetic nervous system, that's more breathing from your stomach, right, than your chest because a lot of us breathe from our chest and we're in this anxious mode all the time. Right. When, when the sympathetic nervous system has kicked in, you're in your flight or fight response mechanism. So you're breathing shallowly, you're tense, your heartbeat's elevated, you might feel like you're sweating a little bit and it's just tense. Mm. And parasympathetic is calm, observe pay attention, be aware, be mindful, choose deliberately versus reactively. Yeah. I think Joe Dispenza said something. We had him on the podcast a little while back and he said something really interesting. He said, maybe we're just poor observers. Maybe that's our biggest problem. <laughs> we don't sit back and just see it for what it is. Right. And, and the observation he's referring to, and Joe's a friend, is first self-awareness, self-observation first, right? Yeah. And so if you can self-observe, 
then you can turn it outwards. But it all starts with being self-observing, awareness of when I'm uncomfortable, how do I respond? When I'm doubtful, how do I feel? When I've got negative self-talk going on, what's going on? When I'm procrastinating, what am I fearful of? What am I, most procrastination, by the way, is done because of low self-esteem. If you knew how to get something done, you could do it highly effectively and on time and you were loving it, you'd freaking do it. But most people procrastinate because they feel doubtful. They don't have all the information. They're procrastinating because they're worried that if they don't do it perfectly, somebody's going to judge them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So you were talking about before how like a lot of people have limiting beliefs. And I feel like it's such a huge part. A lot of it underlying really is that I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, failing mistakes are bad, and so on. So in order to, because a lot of people talk about removing limiting beliefs, I feel like they're always kind of there, right? They're there from a very young age and our programming. And we can, yeah, improve it for sure. We software. I don't believe anything's hardwired. It's software. We can change it, right? Uh, but, but really to, to stack those limiting beliefs, is it creating new reference points in our mind? Is that, is that what it is? It's like stretching and doing those things that seem a little bit uncomfortable so that you've got a new reference point to refer to so it becomes easier in the future. So let's start off with what is a belief and where is it? So from a neuroscience perspective, a belief is nothing more than a cluster of cells that have gotten together and connected over time repeatedly. That's all it is. It's just a group of friends connecting and sharing their shit. Uh, some of it's positive, some of it's negative, some of it will move you forward, some of it will move you backward, some of you just keep you stuck. So let's just call it for what it is. Nothing more than a neural cluster. Yeah. So if we ask ourselves, where did this neural cluster come from? Right, well, my mother gave me some of her beliefs, my father gave me some of his beliefs, being you know, at home with my siblings, I developed some beliefs. Being in school, I developed some beliefs. Watching television, I developed some beliefs. Reading some books, I developed some beliefs. So I got this, this incredible, complex belief system, some more powerful than others, based on a little bit of my genetics, but mostly because of my environment and the people who gave me their very finest. And so if you ask yourself, why do I believe that I'm not smart enough? And I know in my particular case, I didn't believe I wasn't smart enough because when I moved at five years old from Israel to Montreal, I spoke Hebrew. I didn't read Hebrew or write it, but I spoke it. I was just learning the alphabet. I was put into a classroom with 50 kids, all speaking French, and English was the second language they were all speaking. So I was sat there for two years looking at the fucking wall. And, and not only did I feel stupid, you know, I remember I'm 55 now. So this is 50 years ago. I, I remember kids spitting on me in the playground because I couldn't speak English. So I'd get into fights all the time. I'd end up in the principal's office. My parents would be called into school. Your son's not doing well in school. He's having fights with the other kids. And I was frustrated. And the teachers didn't have time to work with me on teaching me a language. God, I didn't know the alphabet. So I was two years behind for my entire schooling up until grade 11 when I quit. I said, enough is enough. So I had developed this belief that I wasn't smart enough. Holy shit, where'd that come from? 
Now I know I'm freaking brilliant, and I'm not saying that in an egotistical way, but I, fuck, I study quantum physics, I study neuroscience, I study neuroscience, I love it, and I can understand it. But the point I want to make is I developed this pattern in my brain that I wasn't good enough just because of my experience as a five-year-old. And I carried that on for about 15 years until I was 19. And I had a mentor, you know, ask me, why do I think I left school? Why do I think I was getting in trouble? Why was I working for $2.30 an hour when I clearly could speak and talk and communicate? Um, I said, well, they told me I wasn't going to amount to much. They told me if I didn't get a college degree, I wasn't going to be smart enough to get a job at a company. And I wouldn't have any retirement. I wouldn't have any ability to contribute. I couldn't make enough money to take care of myself and my family. So I, I believe what, what the people that I'm supposed to believe told me. So I developed this neuron cluster around my own self-belief that I was not smart enough. And as a result of that, I couldn't do well in the real world. So what did I do? From 12 to 17, I lied, stole, cheated, sold drugs, did break-in and entries, did counterfeit money, uh, whatever I could to make money because everybody told me you couldn't. So I figured out a way I could. And then I met a man, one man who showed me that I could change my brain. He showed me that I could develop a new cluster of beliefs, that I am good enough, I am worthy enough, I am smart enough, I can achieve what I want to achieve, I can learn, and it's easy for me. I can earn any amount of money I choose. I can learn whatever I need to learn to earn any amount of money I choose. And so I started at 19 doing daily affirmations. I recorded my affirmations. I listened to them for a freaking, you know, two, three hours a day in my car as I was driving. I wrote out my goals. I recorded my goals. I was taught how to create a new imprint into my non-conscious brain, which is where your beliefs are anyway. Mm. And I started to re-pattern, re-script, and reshape my belief patterns, my perception of what's possible. And while I was doing that, my mentor says, great, let's upgrade your knowledge and your skills so we raise your level of confidence and certainty. I want you to read this book. I want you to listen to this audio. I want you to do this. I want you to practice one hour a day on your skills so you get better. So as I raised my self-confidence and my certainty and my belief in myself, and I developed some good habits. Boom, one thing started clicking after another. At 19, I made 31,000 bucks. At 20, I made $151,000. At 26, I started building my own company and did a billion dollars in sales four years later. I know this shit works. <laughs> You're the walking truth, John, right there. But, uh, but it's not just for that. I've used it you know, retraining my brain for severe ulcerative colitis. When I was 22, I worked so hard. Um, when I got back from my world tour in, in uh, I'm sorry, I was 23 in November 1983, I worked so hard, I ended up with severe ulcers in my colon. And severe ulcers in your colon are not fun because um, you shit all over the place, including during or before or right after making love um, which has happened to me. And so you want to talk about embarrassment and learning how to rewire your brain, put yourself in a situation where you're shitting in the car on airplanes and you're embarrassed as could be, you got to walk around with adult diapers uh, because you don't know when you're going to have a bowel movement. So I learned a lot about the brain and the non-conscious mind and how to re-pattern 
the brain. So it's in a state of being an at ease state, which is where the genius part activates and works for you, as opposed to being totally stressed and burnt out all the time and being in the fight or flight mode all the time, which is fine initially, uh, but beyond a certain point, you go through burnout and then the systems start to break down. So, you know, I, I, I love your audience because I want to teach this to, 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 the, to our younger generation, you know, yes. who's like just making up their mind about what I believe, what I deserve, what's possible for me. And I can tell people I know what's possible. Yeah. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, I remember uh, going through your NeuroGym course after watching the Brainathon. And honestly, like I, because I, I do a lot of research and, and you know, I've read probably hundreds of self-development books by now. And I just love that your content is so, it's so foundational that it's like, forget all the fluffy stuff. It's like the core essential things you really need to know, but you explain it in such an elegant way, which makes it easy to understand. And, you know, even through with my coaching and I know now when I sit, you know, with people that I interview that are, that are at a high level that have been studying self-development for 20, 30, 40 years, some of the legacy leaders, when they're explaining things now, I, I do quite often go back to the core things that you've taught and I get it. It's like I've created like the, a, a foundational understanding of what they're talking about. So, yeah, your, your course is, uh, is an absolute game changer. So Thank you. Appreciate that. Well, you know, what's, what's fun for me is I started to retrain my brain at 19 years old and it opened up the world of success to me in health, wealth, relationships, career, business, fun, experiences, and then I started to teach it to my employees. Yeah. And, you know, in Remax, back in 1992, I hit a, a wonderful plateau where I hit, you know, $1.2 billion in sales. And people go, well, that's great. I said, but that wasn't the ceiling for what our possibilities were. And so no matter how much I trained, our real estate agents had 1,500 of them. Uh, we grew to 1,500. I may have had maybe 1,200 at the time. But we, we stopped teaching them how to sell more real estate. And we started working on retraining their brains, retraining their financial set point, retraining their expectancy point, retraining how they thought about prospecting, retraining how they thought about doing the high income and the high impact activities. And over the course of the next four years, we increased our sales by $3.3 billion. You what? <laughs> we increased our sales by $3.3 billion to $4.5 billion a year in sales. Why? God. Because we reset the agent's expectancy point. The average real estate agent at the time was making about $30,000, $40,000 a year in the industry. Our agent's average was $128,000 per person. Average. And I'm going back, I'm going back quite a while. Yeah. And then I did the same thing with bamboo.com. And we grew that from six people to 1,500 in 14 months, did 10 million a month in revenue in the ninth month, and did a successful IPO on NASDAQ. It wasn't because we were the smartest kids on the block, but we trained our team to think at a higher level, to be able to overcome the doubts and the fears and the anxieties that hold most people back. That's amazing, John. That's amazing. You know, I, I truly believe that your business can only grow to the extent that you do. 
like yeah. self-development 100% like you working on yourself like that's you're the starting point for everything absolutely yeah so that's that's, that's a great example yeah John why do people love to master disappointment <laughs> um, it's actually a little bizarre in the uh, neuropsychology um, arena um, most people would prefer to master disappointment in because at least they're getting the self-confidence that they could be good at something yeah so it's like told you so told you i would fail. Right. Told you. and it's, yeah. it's it's a weird psychological phenomenon where mastering disappointment is actually safe and rewarding and in a bizarre way you can actually see why at least i'm good at something and so i know that if i set myself up you know to win chances are i'm not going to win so let me master disappointment so i have some self-worth and self-esteem mm -hmm. and so we become i'm going to say we many people become because i don't want to do that many people become so used to mastering disappointment that's their only source of feeling good about themselves. I feel sorry for them. I, I feel compassionate for people yeah, like that. I feel so compassionate for them because nobody's, you know, the, the challenge, Joel, is it doesn't have to be that way because it's not their fault. They just haven't used or learned how to use their tool well. Think about this. You know, if you give somebody, you know, a Lamborghini, and they drive it into a ditch. It's not the Lamborghini's fault, right? Yeah. And so part of the challenge is we're dealing with the most sophisticated software tool, the three pound tool between our brains. What's the user's manual? What's, what does your hippocampus do? What does your left prefrontal cortex do? Um, what happens when the amygdala fires off and cortisol is in your bloodstream and you feel like, what should you do? Right? Like, like if I was in my car and I flooded my engine, uh, you'd probably know that the engine flooded, you'd wait, and then turn the car back on again, put the gas on. Well, because you've been taught that. Right? If your car stops, um, there are two or three things you know that it could be. Well, when was the last time somebody taught you about your emotions and what they are? Your emotions of happiness, sadness, fear. Shame, disgust, your core emotions. What about, you know, when you're, when you're feeling stressed out? Like, how do you know you're feeling stressed out? And what, are, what is one simple inner size you can do to get from the sympathetic nervous system, which is the stress response system, fight, freeze, or run away? Um, how do you turn that and use that into your fuel so you're actually moving forward instead of running away? Mm -hmm. um, most people are, that are watching or listening are going, I don't know. Well, but it's your brain. It's your system. It's your 100 chemicals in your brain. It's your 30,000 genes that you can turn on or turn off based on your thoughts in your internal or external environment. Um, if you don't know, then you're ignorant. Now, I want to make sure everybody understands something. I did not call you stupid. I called you ignorant. You, every one of you that's listening, is brilliant, genius. But ignorance just means I don't know. Guess what your job is? find the fuck out because <laughs> ignorance will spoil and kill 
your dreams. It'll spoil and kill your potential. And you will feel like there's something wrong with you because all around you, you're going to see people are succeeding way ahead of you. And you're going to wonder, like, what's wrong with me? What am I doing that's not right? Mm. The answer is you just don't understand. You know, I keep these jigsaw, these um, Rubik's cubes on my desk. Yeah. Um, there are people who can take this Rubik's Cube and in about seven seconds, they can solve it behind their backs while they're blindfolded. There are people that will solve this eight by eight cube in about, I think the world record right now is about 12 hours uh, to get this done. There are billions of combination and possible moves here and there's quintillions of combinations here. Why am I showing you this? Because it's all about pattern recognition. If you understand how to recognize the pattern, how to get, you know, um, four of the colors onto one side, that's the beginning of the pattern. Well, guess what? Success is a pattern. Being healthy is a pattern. Being wealthy is a pattern. Being in a great relationship is a pattern. Being all of it, it's a pattern. And if you understand, you learn the pattern, for success, there's a thought pattern that'll help you achieve success. There's an emotional pattern that'll help you achieve success. And there is absolutely unequivocally a behavioral pattern that when you do this and that, you have a predictable result almost every single time. Yep. Yep. Learn, learn the patterns. You will be able to achieve success not found in common hours. 100%. John, I know that uh, you're a fan of basketball. And when I was a kid, I was seven years old. This is the first time I was ever jazzed up and excited to follow my dreams. I'd watch that classic movie, Space Jam, with Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny. We were running around, was like slam dunking the top of the door frames and just like I got a six foot basketball ring and I was out there dunking it. And I remember my mom gave me this book called Rare Air, which is the biography of Michael Jordan. I remember reading it and, and just thinking, how is this guy that is – like he's built the same as so many players in the NBA, but what made him different? You know, and, and I, I watched how he played and I would like, you know, cause I was in a basketball, then I was playing in a team and I just used to watch how he played. And I remember later down the track, uh, you know, all, you understand it's mindset, right? You start to understand that. Sure. Then you be like Kobe Bryant. He would sit there and watch replays and replays of Michael Jordan. He'd study his moves. What he really was studying was the patterns that you're talking about. He's left hand, right hand, the sequence, you know, like that's, that's what he was following. And he's incredible as well. So there you go. Success leaves clues. And if you, if you take a look at, um, you know, um, Dr. J and you take a look at Vince Carter, you take a look at Dwayne Wade, and you take a look at any of the players today, LeBron, they studied the patterns of other great players. And that's what is really fun is, I mean, that's the fun I'm having now is, I know uh, that if I gave 100 people the blueprint of what to do, mm. one might do it. But if I trained 100 people's brains to focus on what I want them to focus on, and I trained them how to manage their emotions, and I gave them the blueprint of what to do, I can get 60 to take action and follow through. Mm. Mm. And you may ask, how do I know this? Because I know when I used to sell our coaching programs for five, 10, 20, 30, 50, hundred thousand dollars, when we didn't do the mindset training and the emotional management training, the success of our clients 
was maybe five or 6%. And when we did include the mindset, the emotional management, and the skill sets, 62% of our clients started to achieve phenomenal success. That's a great result. That's an insane result. And a lot of that's in the brain, in the, uh, in the neurogym, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. We, again, everything we do is around mindset, skill set, and action set. And for me, mindset is really a combination of, you know, how do I get you to prime your brain and focus on what it is you want to achieve versus the doubts, the fears, the anxieties, the lack of confidence, the lack of certainty, and the 50 different type of fears that will try to hold you back. Yeah. That's number one. Number two is how do I make sure you're doing the right things in the right order at the right time? And then number three is how do I create an environment for you that you feel safe to be able to share when things aren't working well and to be able to share when things are working well so you can inspire others around you so you have got forward momentum no matter what. Mm, yeah, no, that sounds promising. That's promising for sure. John, I've just got a few more quick questions here. Sure. This comes up quite often. I hear a lot of people using the excuse of, uh, you know, I'm getting old now or, you know, I'm not at the age to be able to do this or that. What, what's your view on the age of someone and what, what's possible for them, especially when it comes to their, their mind? Like what's, what's possible? Sure. You know, it's, a, it's funny you said it because just about uh, an hour ago. Like it's obvious, John. It's obvious. Like it's like you can achieve anything, but like what can people do if they're feeling like that? Um. It's a story that they're telling themselves, but when we have a client of ours, her name is Kat Rama. She's a wedding planner in Hawaii. She's 80 years old and her business was just declining, 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 declining for a few years. And uh, she joined us on one of our brainathons, uh, which we, we had some brain experts on there with me. And um, uh, it was an amazing training that we did. And she ended up learning more about her brain, how her brain you know, can create new neural pathways. She can learn how to refocus and, um, and really, you know, uh, achieve more success than she was giving herself credit for. Um, and she's actually going to be on my upcoming brainathon, and she will be sharing in her own words. Um, she just took a trip to Thailand. She's traveling the world with her husband. She's made a quarter of a million dollars this year in her wedding planning business. And she's like, she says she feels like she's 45 again because she's got so much life and vim and vigor and possibilities that she's rekindled her entire um, belief that she can change and she can achieve incredible success. 80. She's 80 years old. <laughs> I love that. That's a, such a great example. It's like, you know, the quality, the quality of your life is in direct correlation with where you live emotionally. And so if she feels like she's achieving and she's young again, she can be competitive and be in that space. She's going to feel, feel young and alive. So, yeah. yeah, that's amazing, John. Well done. Uh, John, if you could have one mentor for the rest of your life and you couldn't have anybody else, just this one mentor, who would you take advice from? God. From God. Yeah. And I say that I'm not religious. Uh, I was born into the Jewish faith, but I don't, I know I celebrate holidays with my kids, uh, but I'm not religious. And the reason I say God is because I believe that within me is God. Within you and everybody watching or listening is God. The intelligence that lives, breathes, is in everything and in everyone is where all of the knowledge and intelligence is in the universe. 
And by tapping in, by using our electromagnetic switching station called our brain into the field of all knowledge and intelligence and all of the information that exists in the field of intelligence, I have access to the entire Congress of library or library of Congress for everything ever that has been created or will be created. Mm-hmm. So that's the source of all supply. That's yes. the source I want to learn from. Love that advice. Yeah. You've got to believe and be resourceful. Yeah. And yeah. use your resources too, right? Uh-huh. Yep. That's right. So John, what is the brainathon? And how does the brainathon? Because I, I remember watching it. It's like six or seven hours long. I think it's a, it's a long webinar. And it's jam packed, which is great. What makes this different to anything else that's being taught out there right now? So why did I start the brainathon? Number one, uh, fortunately for me, I've been able to hire some of the top neuroscientists, neuropsychologists in the world, and I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, getting them on my advisory teams uh, and paying them for the best research and information in the world on how to perform at the highest level possible. How do I get and stay focused? How do I raise my level of awareness? How do I let go of the feelings of shaming, blaming, feeling guilty? How do I recognize my uh, fears, my doubts, my lack of confidence, my negative or limiting beliefs? How do I become better at playing this game of life in business, health, wealth, relationships, et cetera. So about five years ago, uh, I decided I'm going to bring some of my top neuroscientists and neuropsychologists who are on my advisory team. And we just, let's, let's banter. Let's do a two or three or four hour, you know, session, a day long session to give back to the world. who doesn't have access to them. And I think the first year I had, I don't know, six, seven, 8,000 people register. I did it for free. We broadcasted live. We took questions. We had uh, just an amazing day. Last year we had 68,000 people sign up for it. And I bring on individuals. Like for example, this year we have uh, Dr. Srinivasan Pillay from Harvard. He is a a trained classical pianist, trained neuroimaging expert, leading expert in the world on stress and using the brain to um, uh, uh, achieve strategic speed. Uh, Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. He's going to actually do a session on strategic brain speed, on how to really get your brain to do what it does brilliantly well, which is process 400 billion bits of information per second, but we're not aware of it. I brought in Dr. Daniel uh, Friedland, former chairman of the Integrative Health and Medicine Association. Uh, He is a leadership expert, works with major corporations, individual teams on turning stress into fuel for success. So he's going to do a session coming up on turning your financial stress into your fuel for success. I've got Mark Waldman, who's um, uh, my chief neuroscience coach in my company. He has uh, written 14 books. He is one of the leading researchers on emotions, on how to turn any of your negative beliefs, negative habits, or limiting habits, traumas, um, fears that you have, uh, how to recognize them and then turn them into your favor so you can let go of them. I've got Sharon Pearson from Australia, who you may know, uh, that's going to be on this year's Brainathon coming up. And she's a neurolinguistic programming expert on saying language patterns of the brain and self-talk and how to take any 
you know, stories, excuses, or traumas you've had in the past. She was suicidal. She was going to commit suicide. She turned, you know, her life around, runs a $10 million company. Uh, I've got David Bach coming in on this brainathon, who is one of the top financial gurus and experts in the world, talking about how anybody even on a twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars a year salary, can retire rich by just making a few adjustments in how they spend money and where they invest their money. So he'll be doing a session. Uh, I've got uh, who else? Uh, Evian Gordon. He runs the largest neuroscience uh, database in the world, where thousands of neuroscientists fill his uh, database with their latest research that he. Uh, minds for the latest scientific-based uh, ways to um, utilize your non-conscious brain uh, to your advantage. Um, so I've got these individuals from around the world that most people have never heard of that are doing world-class amazing research that they will be sharing how you can just be a peak performance thinker and in control of your emotions and your behaviors. And so the Brainathon is about seven experts. This year, by the way, we have Larry King is coming to moderate uh, our, one of our uh, brain expert panels. So he's going to be in studio live with me. And then I've got five clients of mine that have been retraining their brain for last year. Kat Rama, 80-year-old. Uh, I've got um, uh, who else is going to be there? Uh, Alicia, um, you know, uh, was is a chiropractor who turned her life around, is making – well, about you know, $50,000, $60,000 a year working about 20 hours a week. I've got uh, Kay Roche, a coach who left her corporate job uh, and then replaced her, uh, her income within 90 days. She was making about sixty grand, then cranked that up to $10,000 a month, and now she's looking to make millions. Uh, we've got um, uh, Deborah Meyer, who um, uh, was a PhD from Princeton University but had pennies in her bank account, never made more than $34,000 a year. She's uh, getting ready to crank out about 200 and some odd thousand this year. So we have guests on the show as well that say, here's what I learned on the Brainathon when it was on the last time. Here's how I applied it. Here's how my life has changed, whether healthier, happier, better, traveling, doing charitable things, living their lives to the max. And so the entire event's about earning more, living more, and giving more. And uh, so the Brainathon is something that I do every year. Um, and it's six, seven, eight hours. People come for an hour or two hours, hop on, hop off. Uh, most people get hooked and addicted because the content's just so phenomenal that you don't hear about this in personal development circles because these people aren't speakers who go around speaking. I've brought them in to be able to, to share what we teach all of our clients at Neurogym. There you go. There you go. That's amazing. That's, that's so much value for what it is, and it's free as well. It's free to go in. And, you know, well, it's, it's, free, it's free to everybody who's joining. It costs me, you know, a little bit of money to put it on, but that's part of my contribution back to the world and to build my company's brand and, and to show people that there is an easier, faster, better way to do things today because the advancement of technology has just changed our lives and brain research that's going on is just revolutionary. Yeah, yeah. And guys, if you're listening right now and you are addicted to success, this is what you need to do self-education you need to jump in on this learn from like the super nerds the guys that don't usually go and speak on it find the information from them because that information is going to be so valuable for you if you can apply it in your own business you've got lots of coaches and authors and so on so you can get quite a lot of valuable information there that hasn't been spoken about before so make sure you check that out and it's about the effort right and this is the best place you're getting the best information 
uh, that's out there. So, so jump on it. This is the link. If you're listening right now, it's addicted to success.com. That's with the number two addicted, the number two success.com slash brain as in brainathon. So just addicted to success.com slash brain. John, thanks a million for offering this for the audience. Awesome. Uh, I love everything that you're doing and uh, you. You know, I can just continue to see you flourish uh, as a leader in this industry. And uh, yeah, it's just great to have you leading by example. So thank you. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for uh, all the great, amazing work you do in the work in the world. And I love to see your growth and, uh, and just how your heart's opening up to sharing with more people. It's so beautiful to watch. Thank you, John. Appreciate it.